Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast, episode two. I'm Craig. And I'm Michael. And today, um, let's see, on today's agenda we have a interview with my dear friend Pete on his specific fetish for gaining and feeding. Which, you know, we got quite deep into, got a, quite a lot out of, so that's a treat for you guys. And also, we're going to be discussing Fifty Shades of Grey, because how could we not discuss Fifty Shades of Grey like everyone else? Yeah, I think if we didn't, then we'd be the only people not yeah. talking about it. Although I do kind of wish it would just, you know, Fifty Shades of Go Away. Um, yeah. I, I I need to stop making puns. Um, <laughs> um but um yeah you know there is the whole idea of is it giving it the air, the the space the airspace is that actually promoting yeah. it more i hope not well, well here's the thing i don't know many people that's actually going to see it that's well, the thing especially i think the audience that we know of or that listens to yeah. us at least i i doubt we'll have many middle-aged housewives but even if if you are a middle-aged housewife and you still have a problem with it or you enjoy it then good for you you know that's uh yeah yeah but uh yes good old what what, what was it christian gray christian gray christian yeah. gray and anastasia anastasia steel oh please even the names make my skin cold yes yes anastasia steel the mysterious boring girl whose only personality trait is she bites her lip a lot and she has an inner goddess, doesn't she? There's something See, about the inner goddess. Yes, uh... her inner goddess is what her subconscious expresses, which I like that idea. I want my own inner goddess that does <laughs> wacky things. And... I think my my inner goddess is a sort of weird love child of, um, I don't know, it would probably be the love child of Sharon Needles and Alaska mm. Thunderfuck. I read a good um, like piss take article when Fifty Shades of... Um... Marxist feminism. <laughs> oh yes, I saw. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes where her, where her inner goddess was basically Shiva with the skull necklaces. Yes, that was quite good. Yes. No, there's there's been a lot of um, quoting and picking apart mm. of the book and the film. Yeah. Um, not not uh, unfounded though, I have to say. Well, no, I have had one friend defend it. Basically, have you unfriended that friend? <laughs> no, no, he's quite a dear friend and I respect his oh, opinion yes. quite a lot. He's been a bit of a mentor to me and his basically point was stop getting snooty about other people's fantasies and, you know, I, you shouldn't be made to feel guilty if you enjoy... There, you know, Yeah, know. there's a point to that. I mean, being a... I'm not a literature student, but I nearly was at one point, and that does bug me, so I do kind of <laughs> want to shame people from to read trash like that. I'm, I'm sorry if you enjoyed it. Um, but, um, no, I, I don't know. I think the right... Just looking at the basics of just how it's written, it's it's... The language is abysmal. I mean, it is it is actually extremely cringy if you sort of read through some of these scenes and passages well you know where it came from don't you oh fanfic oh the joy that is fanfic yes it was someone's personal erotic fanfiction i i'm not aware of the story of how it made the leap from that to publishing from phenomenon but um and here's the thing if it's just about the fantasy and getting off on that that's fine yes yes 
I think I think the problem is that so many that I I think my issue is more with the marketing team behind the book than the actual book itself. Um, well, I feel all the books on my bookshelf are literally every time I call it a book or literature, yeah. they just kind of one of them jumps off the end. Um, but I I do have an issue with the marketing behind it because they have created all these sex toy or you know sort of sex paraphernalia. Mm. Um, I think you know, and 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 this whole, you know, the whole ad campaign for the film, which was, um, what was it? Are you are you ready to lose control or something like that? Yeah, and it's... and and I'm my issue is more with the fact that it's if you if you analyze or if you actually properly read the text, it's not it's not really what it's made out to be. Um, you know, a lot of them hail it as this big BDSM romance. Ah, uh, I I think a whole you know that kind of offends the entire BDSM community, seeing as it all BDSM is or should be built on trust and respect for each other, regardless of your position or or your your role in that. And looking at what what good old um what's her name E L James, um. What she's concocted here is less a true-to-form BDSM romance and more a this-is-how-you-glorify-your-abusive-relationship manual. Well, here's the thing. Again, this was written as an online erotic mm, fiction from her, her, from her fantasies. And here's the thing. I have read plenty of erotic fiction where consent doesn't come into it. But that's I think that's that's what that's what I'm I'm saying when I say I'm more against the marketing team behind yeah. it than the you know I'm I think that the the fact that it's marketed as this is what your sex life should be and let yourself you know enjoy yeah. that and everything um it's I think that's more the issue I have no issue with people reading it and getting off on it um you know I'm I'm sure there's many a, a moist fanny over that book but mm. um I, I, I don't know. I just think that, but that, that, I, I, I'm a bit lost for words. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a question of education again. The fact yeah. that if you know what you're doing and if you know what BDSM is actually about and it's not just a little parlor game with, you know, uh, fur, furry, furry uh, chains and, and, uh, What's it? There's furry handcuffs that you can buy everywhere and yeah. not as a novelty, uh, and and a sort of lacy sleep mask or something like that. Then, uh, is it, it? It's how you inform yourself. Are you willing to take it as this is BDSM reality, which I think is the big the it's big issue. Basically, there. about people who are just getting into BDSM using it as a guide rather than just fancy. Yeah, I mean, there's this big thing. That gets on my tits is Christian Grey ties her up with zip ties on her wrist. You do not do that. You do not do that ever. It cuts off circulation. They're too narrow. Yeah. And if you need to get them out quickly... You're screwed. Yeah, you can't do that zip ties. They are too dangerous to use. You should never... Exactly. I mean, there's many a... Um, you know, there's many a quote. I've got a, a very interesting article. Um, was published last Friday. Friday 13. Um... But in the Independent, which was with uh, the title of Fifty Shades of Grey, it doesn't take a genius to realise that Christian Grey is a domestic abuser. Mm. Um, of course, there's a lot of uh, 
feminism that, or a lot of the feminists that have um, cried out against this book, which in, you know, taken some of the quotes out of context and, and taking it at face yeah. value, I can understand it. It's, you know, neglecting the fact that this is purely fantasy, but um, no, there's some, some wonderful, wonderful quotes that um, uh, the author Beth Penny pulled out of the book and sort of illustrated how creepy it actually was. But um, one point that she makes that I find very, very funny is towards the end of the, the article, she says, just imagine for a second that your friend tells you that a man who she'd never given her address to has turned up at her house. This is the same man who will later carry on having sex with her after she has asked him to stop. Wouldn't you tell her, uh, tell them to run? Mm. And that that is quite quite yeah. true you know i if someone came to me and said you know i've met this guy or this guy turned up at my house and like he totally abused me and everything my first question my, i wouldn't probably my first question the thing wouldn't be to tell them to run my first question was you know how are you feeling about this is it something that you you know elicit you know is it something yeah. that you, you kind of wanted to happen because in that case you're kind of fulfilling a fantasy and it's it's okay, but if you're, if it's just like, oh, th this just happened, and I didn't, you know, I've never mm. thought of these things before, then I'd, I'd tell them to um, call the police. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the thing for me is, I mean, mm. in any social political situation or debate, for me, context is always king. Mm. And had this remained just an online Etsy wankoff story, yeah, this would all be fine. The trouble is it's entered the mainstream. It now has an audience that may not be properly educated, but also it now adds the wider cultural narrative of um, how females are treated in the media and what message is given through the media's portrayal of women. Yeah. And this basically, Norman, now in this larger context, it basically glorifies and normalizes abuse. Yeah. And you can't... And again, if it had just remained an internet story for like people to wake off and was clearly in the porn box, because yeah. porn is fantasy. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to worry about social political mores with that. Well, you do now in the UK. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if you want but, to make porn. But now that it's an international book and movie in the mainstream and being yeah. promoted, that changes things. It's... Yeah, that's definitely a big issue. I think, you know, you can... I, I don't know. I'm sure you you know Nifty. Um, yeah. Some absolutely brilliantly, you know, ridiculously hot stories on there, which in reality would go against everything that you could allow or, yeah. uh, you know, be socially acceptable. However, they're great. And because they are in that realm of it's porn in a written form and not a visual form... Uh, that's you know that's absolutely fine because it's not it's not real yeah you know but the fact that that's the big thing and that this whole global phenomena thing is it makes it real if we want it or not it's it's seeped into our reality <laughs> more than we really want it to um but um so yeah that's absolutely i think that's absolutely the case with this you know it's um one of the major points that the BDSM community has brought up against this book was the fact that there is an absolute and utter lack of the mention of aftercare, which is 
possibly the most essential thing in oh, yeah. BDSM play. I mean, yeah. or relationships or whatever. There is never, ever is there mentioned this the idea of, you know, Christian Grey looking after Anastasia in that sense, um, offering aftercare. Um, it's... Uh, Ugh, pun coming up. Aftercare is an afterthought. Um, but uh, no, the, the, and that is, that is quite, that's where it gets a bit disturbing because people who are informed, people who, you know, who live in that environment, they mm-hmm. know how there is, there's a constant thing between, you know, um, you know, you get whipped one moment, but the next moment the dominance making sure that you're, you're fine, you know, is, is yeah. tend, tending to your, mm-hmm. your flayed flesh, uh, Whatever, and it's... you have a good wind down session afterwards. Exactly, have a cup and... of tea, have a chat, yeah. uh, whatever, have a cuddle. It, mm. it it just makes it all so much more. I mean, if if it, to me at least, it makes it a lot more intimate, intense, yeah. and a lot more pleasurable through that because mm. you don't get that. You know, from just being whipped, it's kind of like you don't quite get the whole yeah interpersonal thing that you would get um, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I've been in a situation where the Dom, he's a good Dom, mm. but because of the time constraints yeah. which was both on, we didn't, we lost track of time, so there wasn't much time for much aftercare. Yeah. And so on the journey home, I was, again, he gave, he gave as much as he could, yeah. but yeah. time got in the way, because, you know. It life. wasn't his, it wasn't his fault in that sense that he didn't want to or didn't, like, yeah. mean to. It was more a circumstantial yeah. And it does leave you weird when you just have to suddenly cut it off and, you know, on the journey home I had to... Wind down yourself. I mean, I did. I made sure to just, before I did anything major, I just went into Costa and had a nice... Coffee and... Yeah, coffee drink. (laughs) Well, ice drink of the summer. Yeah. By myself and browse Facebook and just unwind before I carried on with my day yeah i think that's very important i, I mean i've i've had i think maybe one or one or two sessions mm. where there was again the whole aftercare thing came a little short and it was you just need that that time to sort of come down from that space because again as we talked about last time with the whole the idea of subspace mm. and, and and the float yeah. and everything like that you do have to come down from that you know that space of mind back into you know God, I need to go and buy some loot paper or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, that won't be the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> I well, mean, yeah. I don't know. I maybe... mean, we can make a whole future episode about talking about aftercare and aftercare strategies and what we like. And I, what's I think good. that that's actually a very that would actually be a very important one. Hmm. I think to get in a dominant and a submissive and just talk about the importance of aftercare, the different ways to go about it. Um, I think that's could be a very fruitful yes uh fruitful conversation to have because you know it's so essential but it does get forgotten mm. a lot you know with, the, with all the porn and all the the fun stuff that we see online very rarely is there mm. a you know last half an hour of a porn film where they're all sitting there having a cuddle i mean there's a very good um aftercare webcomic going about oh, yeah. around tumblr Oh, I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's um, basically, you come in right at the end of the scene, you see this woman very bruised. It's obviously yeah, been yeah. a heavy scene. And the dominant wraps her in a blanket, picks her up, and they cuddle and watch Disney movies. And There's, that, That's yeah. brilliant aftercare. Like, seriously, I'd, I'd be game for that. Mm. Depends what Disney movie. Uh, it's more the Pixar <laughs> sort of stuff. Uh, 
Yeah, for me, for me, for me, it's the old school, old school Disney all the way. But that's that's going yeah. off, off topic in a way. I but, mean, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, obviously, the movie's obviously my favorite word, problematic. Yeah, air quotes. But it, do you think in the long run it's been good for like the kinky and BDSM community? I think it's here's open, thing, Yeah, every article I've read criticizing it. Has always put in either in the first or last thing, you know, the BDSM community has distanced themselves and they criticise it for. Or they have, or they have quotes from dominatrixes mm. or, or or people, you know, within a certain setup. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a double edged sword in a way. Mm. I think it's on the one hand, it's you know, it's opened up the conversation with the BDSM community. It's opened it, welcomed it into the mainstream in a way that a lot of other things probably wouldn't have done. Um, you know, we've had, I think it's it's given a lot of airspace to people who know what they're talking about to defend, not necessarily their lifestyle, but to, to explain what it is that they do and explain mm. the, you know, what lies behind it and not so much for having it written off as, you know, the freak show that happens behind closed doors to a small select group of people. Um, and I mean, we had, what was it? Was it this morning or something like that? Where um, uh, one of the presenters put a nipple clamp on and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. Just to have that out there. It, that I think yeah. is fantastic in itself. And the conversation about it, as I said, has been surprisingly positive mm. towards the general BDSM community. And they've made sure to say they're criticizing this film, yeah. not BDSM as a whole. And that's that's what that's what's so great because it has it mm. has allowed people to come forth and say, "This is what we do." It may seem weird, but you know, you're, you've been reading, you've been you know masturbating wildly to this book, so this is not so different. However, the reality of it in our world is 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 different. I think that's that's. It's it's been very instrumental in in allowing that to happen. I think otherwise we would have still waited a while to see um, breakfast TV presenters, you know, trying out yeah um, horse horse whips and uh, nipple clamps. But um, uh, you know, it's it's opened it up a bit. It's opened the discussion a bit more, and it's it's. I think it comes at a good time with the porn law problems um oh yeah i will uh... always bang on about those um it's it it comes at a good time where it opens up the the stigma that sort of exists on you know oh you know that's that's weird and oh you know freaks do that in you know in private um not so much anymore which is yeah, yeah i think that's pretty good plus we get to see Jamie Dornan naked which i don't really mind uh, I was very disappointed because originally slated for him was Christian Grey was originally cast as oh Pacific Rim and Queer as Folk. What's his name? Oh, oh God! Yes, I know who you mean. This is this is typical, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. The yeah the actor that played the lead in Pacific Rim and the young guy in the original Queer as Folk. Yeah. Yeah, he. I mean, he's got really gorgeous. Was it um, Charlie? Charlie Hunnam? Was it or Charlie? Charlie Day? Something Charlie like that. Something. Charlie something. Yeah, something. Mm. But he was originally cast, and yeah. then they recast yeah. him. And 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't have a problem with Jamie Dornan. I loved The Fall um, on BBC, and that was always a bit weird because he was the evil serial killer, and finding him hot in the practically naked scenes that he did was a bit sort of. Yeah, it's off. It was one of those it was things, hot. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? I, I, it was one of my all time. I have to say, it was one of my all time favorite TV series. It was so intelligent, but that sort of thing where you're like, I should not be finding this character so attractive because he is an absolute, you know evil piece of work Ooh. but at the same time you're just going <laughs> um, I, I don't do that in the state of arousal that's a very unattractive noise yeah. but um, <laughs> sit at the end of the bar going <laughs> <laughs> creepy um, yes but um, but you know as, as we said before I think it's um, it's offered it's, it's offered a lot it's brought a lot the technicalities are where the debate lies. It's in, and yeah, you know, take it for what it is. It's um, housewife porn, yeah, um, with an edge. Let's be honest, we all love our little targets for hate and derision. There is a certain fun in making fun of how bad the book is, how I mean, bad it's written, the whole inner goddess thing. I think there is a big snob... There is a big issue in our society with the whole... with a sort of underlying snobbishness because we're willing to accept a piece of crap from an acclaimed author, but we're not willing to accept something... Okay, it is a piece of crap, but still, uh, we're not willing to sort of give in a bit to someone who, you know... Wrote a wrote a fucking porn story on on it on online, yeah. um, and I think there's a lot of established authors who've written a lot worse. Um, but um, yeah, the language isn't good. I mean, seriously, the the language is abysmal. But then again, so is Twilight, which is the origin, you know, the origin of Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, many other bestsellers, which just goes to show that you know if it sells, it sells. And there's a certain, I think there's something quite encouraging about that because it, it offers up you don't have to be a seasoned literary professional yeah for to... huge thesaurus knowledge and i mean i think it helps and personally i love reading intelligent Ooh. books but that's 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 just me and i'll read a you know yeah. I'll, I'll read a trashy pulp novel every once in a while and if it's, it's got a good ever. story i think it can to a degree be excused yeah. simplistic prose mm. and I mean, if you look at um, Hemingway, it's like mm. the most simplistic of simplistic prose. There's, there's hardly any adjectives or anything mm. in there. And then you go to the other end and you've got James Joyce, which you can't read anyway because it's all a fucking stream of consciousness that no one understands. <laughs> and everyone's hailing it, but no one's reading it. So I'm kind of like, well... Yeah, yeah. How many Booker Prize books yeah. do you want to read? No, um, yeah, but really. yeah, it's... it's yeah. There, you know, there's that. But... Um, yeah, no, the it's as I said, you know, it's I think there's there's a lot of good good points to it. As as we said, it's it's broadened the the people it's broadened people's horizons, which I think is always a good thing. It should always you know, that's what art and literature and all these these um you know, art art faculty and all these art degrees and stuff like that are for is to broaden people's horizons in so many ways where um Science does that in the scientific way. Wow, that was really eloquent. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, it, it it does broaden people's minds on on a sort of more human level, and I think that's 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 already a good step forward. Yeah, 
I mean, if you do like Fifty Shades of Grey, check out, what was the film a couple of years ago? The Secretary. 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 It's basically the same sort of setup, but a much more positive, constructive mm. relationship and a bit closer to what BDSM actually is. I mean, yes, I I, I, I like Secretary. Mm. It's, 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 it's okay. Um, my best friend absolutely adores it. Um, she thinks it's very sexy. I don't know. I never really got into it. But what I have to say, there's also been, there's also been criticism flung at that because the character starts off as very mentally unstable. But what I always counter that is actually through that relationship, she sort of seems to, you know, develop a bit. And, and mm. it's, it's a very, it is definitely a very positive, you know, I mean, view on it all. This gets into a little bugbear of mine when people are criticising works, is they often criticise works for having flawed characters. I mean, someone said Frozen isn't a feminist story because, you know, Elsa starts off very damaged and she runs away from her problems. It's like, no shit. If she didn't do that, there would be no story. You'd have <laughs> two hours of two perfect girls just sitting around talking. Yeah. Which, you know, make does not a good story make. You need conflict and characters to start off from a flawed place to grow. Yeah, which... Um... Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty true. I think mm. a lot of people are very quick to pick up on these mm. sort of things where it's like, oh, this is not feminist, or it's a really bad portrayal and everything, mm. and you're like, but there'd be no story otherwise, you know, there'd, there'd literally, there'd be no, most of the stories that we know, they wouldn't exist if all the characters were, you know, strong, perfect, uh, feminist, um, kind, wonderful... It's not that. It's boring. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's wonderful in the real world. It's not so good in fiction. Again, context is key. You can either discuss things in its wider narrative towards feminism or social issues, or you can look at it just as the story in isolation within itself. Mm. And how do these characters work within the story? I think we always have to be careful with criticism because criticism mm. is something that that we... Especially now with the internet age, we are very quick to give out. Mm. We're very quick to criticise. We're very quick to mob or whatever it is they want to call us um troll you like troll um but it's you know in in effect criticism is should be given very sparingly by people who are able to explain their opinion who are able to give the criticism in a Ooh. constructive way and not say you know this book is shite because i don't like it um but yeah. but but being able to say i didn't I didn't, and always make sure that it comes from your perspective because, okay, maybe X, Y, and Z will confirm your view, but for someone else in a different situation on the other side of the world, it might be the polar opposite true for them. Ooh. So I think it's very important to say that, you know, in in my opinion, which is founded by blah, 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 this is why it didn't work and this is what should be done or this is, you know... Then I can lean back and say, okay, well, the person clearly understands what they're talking about. They're not just trashing it. That's That can pass. Um, but at the same time, we're very quick, especially with academic criticisms, it, it very quickly goes off on a tangent and you're just sitting there going, he's just showing off how much he knows. <laughs> or yeah. she. I mean, my thing is, again, remember, whenever you're criticising someone from a socio-political point of view, like the feminist theory or racial theory or class theory or anything like that, remember it is a lens through which you can view the piece yeah, of work. It is absolutely. not the definitive work. 
Yeah, I think that's you know that's something yeah, that a lot of people lose lose sight of, um, and um, yeah, no, yeah. I think that's you know that's something that's definitely. But it's also, it's the same when you look at um, you know the fetishes and kinks that um, that we we're going to look at and discuss. It's, it's again, it's a sort of thing of if you look at it through our eyes in this sense, we're a lot more open than some other people would be to to these things. We're not going to sit there going. So why do you do that? That that's so weird, and isn't that really bad for you? And mm, we're not going to sit here and do that no. because you know, I'd like to think we know better. Maybe on the inside we're screaming all those questions, <laughs> but um, no, it's 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 um, it, you know, with everything, when you criticize someone for something that they like or that they they you know that they enjoy or they do, we're so quick to do it, but we have to be so much more careful. And I think yeah. that's where it really plays in again into the whole kink fetish, BDSM, whatever. People were, I think, prior to this film, people were very quick to sort of go, "Oh, so you're 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 the slave in this relationship?" Like, "Oh, so you're basically like a weak person or something like that." Kind of feel like this book does kind of perpetuate that sort of myth because, let's be honest, Anastasia Steele is not a strong character well no but she but, is a cipher yeah for the audience exactly. so she will have little agency that's it but then again you know so and and um but you know as i was saying like if you if you look at that there's a lot of people oh so you're the slave so basically you you're like you know you're a bit of a doormat in life and everything and it's like no no, no a takes... lot of a lo- it takes a lot to be as a, a submissive actually it's um there are some who argue it's more. There's more involved than for a dominant. I'd say there's a balance because it, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a whole sort of the dominant has to look after the person. The dominant has mm. to um, ensure everything's fine. He has to prepare everything. He has to do everything. The submissive gives in to that. So there's it's always a bit of a you know there's always a bit of a giving uh, you know give and take. But um, but yeah, it's. It, it's definitely you know people are very quick to judge and i think that's i think that's a big fable of this book really the big fable or at least the story that surrounds the book is the the whole stigma the whole criticizing quick to criticize and that's applicable to everything yeah i mean it's funny what you said about prejudging mm-hmm. and how we look at things in context because that kind of ties into the interview i've yeah that's coming up with pete yeah because it's about a subject which I've only just started to get into, and it's the feeding and gaining fetish. Getting into in a personal way, or getting into in an informative way? A personal way. Cool. Because that has been quite um, recent for me, because yeah. my first exposure to it was when those awful Channel 4 Look of the Freak oh, documentaries. Oh, God, yes. That was, that was very upsetting on yeah. many levels. Yeah. Yeah, and it basically portrayed the worst aspects of... Um, feeders which was basically rape where you know someone's consent was taken away and okay. they basically framed it as look at this awful thing and even when they've tried to show the positive things of like um people who enjoy women of size because it's very yeah. heterosexual oriented yeah. it was shown as um aren't they odd they like big women oh my god isn't that weird I, yeah, I think with I I do I'm always sort of a bit torn with Channel Four. Like they do, they have a lot of it is. drive, but there's a lot of the time it's a, it's very sort of you know 
let's point out the weird stuff and oh what freaks and stuff like that and it, it i mean obviously yeah they give that lip service of oh aren't they brave and you know oh yeah 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 but we're having but, an honest conversation but it is very much a modern day freak show attraction yeah, yeah. it is i mean some of them are literally the boy with two faces or the girl who grew roots or sensationalist journalism yeah. semi sort of pseudo journalism um yeah no absolutely i mean I've, I I vaguely recall some series or film or something like that where, the the where that topic was touched on the the whole sort of feeder and um, what is it? It's feeder and, and gainer. Gainer, that's the one. <laughs> feeder and gainer. Um, I wish I remembered what it was, but I just have this sort of you know when you have just that mental image of what the scene mm. was like and, but um, I th- you know it's. It's again. It's one of those things that's, as you said, that's so out there, and a lot of people sort of look at it and are like, "That's really weird." And why would you do that? And you know, it's um, it's just one of those things people do. Like seriously, <laughs> we do yeah. more. We do more weird stuff. I personally find some of the stuff going on in politics and in the world today. I find that more bizarre than someone wanting to feed or getting pleasure out of feeding someone or being fed or whatever. That's that's nice, you know. Why yeah. not go for it? I mean, <laughs> this is the thing I've I found it's very. What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, we'll, this will get touched on in the interview, but um, what I'd describe as um, service-oriented DOMs. Yeah, the whole thing is to take care of a sub. But I think that's, and that ties it back into the whole BDSM thing. I think that that's. A crucial component that people often mm. let that that can be let out in fantasy because it's fantasy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the idea that there should always be the there should always be a a certain tenderness to the dom, not necessarily yeah. when you're playing. You know, then you can be as out there as you like as long as it's agreed between the two parties. But there's always has to be a you know I'm willing to look after you. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to feed you whatever it is that's that's so key um and and with this i do i I do see that though i do Mm. see that you know there is a certain there is a certain sort of sweetness to the whole feeder gainer thing there's a certain sort of you know i mean it can be a very intimate thing where you're just in bed with your partner just and i mean who hasn't done that where you're you know you might go out to dinner together and then you know you you have an exceptionally nice meal and you're thinking, oh, I really want this person to try it. So what do you do? You take some on your fork or whatever and mm-hmm. offer it to the other person and they take a bite off your, you know. I it's mean, not that, it's just a slight... What's you know, the famous fridge scene? Uh, nine and a half weeks? Where they're just sitting in the light, the only light's coming from the fridge and they're, oh, like, yeah. they're doing strawberries and the honey. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, who, you know, I, I'm personally one of those people. Food and sex for me don't mix. I love food. I love sex. They don't mix for me. But that's just because I kind of, I like certain things that are messy. That's just sticky for me. <laughs> it's like whipped cream and honey and all that shit. And I'm like, I have to clean that afterwards. Um, but, um, but I, you know, there is a certain, there's something very romantic yeah. about, you know, you know, offering someone some food out of your hand or fork or whatever, however you want to do it. Like, seriously. It's, yeah. It's, it's um yeah, there's definitely that to it. A very 
So, so yeah, I think we're reaching the limit on our little discussion. Yes, exactly. We don't want to cut the interview too short, which is very interesting. Mm, I may have to do this as a two-part episode. Which is absolutely yeah. fine. Okay, so I f- uh, hope you enjoyed the interview. And for me, that's goodbye. And for me, that's a toodaloo. Ahoy hoy mouse, how are we? I'm good, thank you. And how are you? I am slightly better. Oh good, good. Right, well it looks like it's all recording, so let's let us begin. Begin away, begin away. Okay, so um Right, hello and um right now for the podcast I'm bringing a special interview with um one of my very good friends, Peter. Uh say hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Yes, and today we're going to talk about a fetish which I find of great interest, um, feeding and gaming. Uh, first, Peter, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your history and your experience? Okay, so my name is Peter James Francis Grant Redhead. Mm-hmm. Probably not all that in one sentence. Um, let's see, I'm 26. I am currently living in Essex. Mm-hmm. Um, I work at a health spa. Um, my experiences, let's see... My first collar when I was 17. I've never looked back from that situation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, goodness me, how do I explain myself? Well, these are always very difficult questions to ask. Um, what would you like to know particularly? Uh, just general, your kink experiences, uh, major interests in kink, that sort of thing. Okay. I've always, always, always been a part of an older, younger mm-hmm. um, partnership. Um, I've always looked up to older men. Mm-hmm. Um I think it may stem from the fact that I didn't have a father figure or a very strong father figure when I was younger. It's definitely got something to do with the fact that when I was younger, I see my friends at school being picked up by their fathers. There's always a very strong, mm-hmm. like a, a screen capture, uh, a, a good strong picture of my friends being picked up by their big burly builder type mm-hmm. dads. If I could find out who that dad was, I would absolutely run after him, but probably not. Um, I have been a slave. I have been a sub. I have enjoyed being a dom. I have many kinks and interests involving the weight gain um, weight gain situation. I have to say, the weight gain situation is something that's always been in the background of my fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's only come up to the front in the last three, four years. Um, so, luckily enough, that's actually something I can still explore and enjoy. I think that the idea is... Oh, how do I put this? Um, I can't put on weight. I can't seem to put on weight, so I'm constantly lusting after something that I can't have. Okay, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, anything I've not covered? Anything you'd like to know a little bit more? No, no, that's good. I mean, I was going to say, it's. I'm always interested to hear where kinks come from. Because, mm-hmm. see, I also, I think the audience should know, also have an interest in the whole weight gain thing, in the feeding. And mine comes from, it's sort of a broader umbrella of fetishes, which all fit into the main theme being a forced identity or appearance change. I mm. love the idea of you really to decide your own appearance, because it's a very deep thing for a person when you think about it. We live in an age where appearances are very constructed, either online, mm. on the street, and we use appearances as social signals. So to have that taken away and someone else controlling that aspect of you is a deep turn-on to me. So I love muscle gaining, um, gaining, forced haircuts, even forced clothing. 
all that. It's really controlled, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it all fits into this bigger umbrella of fetishes. But one of them is um, feeding and gaming. Mm-hmm. Definitely, same way. Excuse me, I have the consumption again. Um, yeah, it's been going around. <laughs> it's going around. Um, that's actually a huge tunnel for me as well, um, on both sides of the giving up control, giving control to another person, having control yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, ooh, I want to use the word poly there or something. It's polyamorous. No, no, that's a relationship term. But either way, I can find comfort in being controlled or controlling mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. I think it stems from my ego. Um, I trust this person enough to give up my power to them. They can do whatever they want with me. To a point. There oh, is yeah, always, there's always a point. There's always a safe word. There's always <laughs> a safe word. I want you to get your hair cut. Okay. Or the other side of it is, I want you to put on weight. I want this. I would give you this. Mm-hmm. It's two sides of the same coin, in my opinion. Um, I'm very disappointed to say that I've not been subbing as much as I should. Um, because of you know, um, problems and such. I live out in the middle of sticks, so it's very few, very few people who are into the certain kinks that I'm into. If I was in London or a major city, I would yeah. have no problem whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's always a bit of a downside moving out to the sticks, but it's much more peaceful. Than yeah. I mean, it's just a thing of just visiting from time to time. I will be visiting in March, don't worry. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I've got the cans of whipped cream ready for you. Ooh. We should film that. We should film it for posterity in this podcast, obviously. Of course, of course. No other reason than that. <laughs> but yes, because um, I've not actually done a fetus scene before. And this is relatively new to me, because it's sort of been a fetish that's lately grown, and you've had a big part in that. Because I remember the closest I've ever come was, it was back when I was, I think it was when I was collared to you. And um, we had either stopped off in a Burger King or a McDonald's. And you started shoving the fries in my mouth. <laughs> um, was, that, was that a gay pride, or was that... No, oh, God, I think that was Leicester Square, wasn't it? Yes, the Leicester Square Burger King. Oh, God, I remember that as well. And that's where it started for me. It's like, oh, oh, I don't have any control here. Oh, oh, well, why is this turning me on? Why? Again, it's release of control. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, what I want to do to you is good... I want you to put on weight, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to do it in a calm, relaxed, controlling, and comforting way. Mm. I want to rub your belly as you're getting bigger and fatter, and I want to do this over a period of months. Mm. I want to make sure that you're absolutely fine and willing to do this. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. We both want this. I'm able to take the helm in this case, and I want to make sure that you're comfortable while you're doing it. I cannot stress that enough. That's what I want to do. I want to make a person happy. I want to make a person comfortable. I want to make a person pleased. I want to fulfill, kill two birds with one stone, make us both fulfilled. That's what I want to do. And that's in, you know, a lot of my fetishes. There's a couple of fetishes that I have which do not risk in that way, but I do not, well, maybe once I did, but I do not fulfill them in any need. Yeah, I mean, it does seem a very service dom-oriented fetish for a lot of people. It is very much, I'm here to take care of you as my sub. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's surprising when you see people. Um, I take my sources a lot from the internet when mm-hmm. I say I read a lot about people who are doing these things. But but there's a there's a point where you're thinking: Have you actually indulged in this in real life, or are you just living in fantasy? Mm-hmm. There's a real life fantasy line. 
in fantasy you can do whatever the hell you want you can do whatever you wish which is incredibly enjoyable incredibly enjoyable but when when you move out from fantasy into real life there's so many things you can't control you can't control the weather for instance so if you want to do something outside you can't do anything outside there is the other person's opinions or feelings or motivations you can't do any of these you can't control any of these you can try but it will be spotted on very quickly and people will have with that you can try to control as much as you can in reality but there's things you cannot control which is often why people do not indulge in these which is why they stay in their fantasy world um, which is you know a massive turn off which is why some people stick to writing stories reading stories mm-hmm. doing their own play on the internet um, which is why I've kind of not indulged in this um, weight gaining in particular it's a particularly new fetish to me I've often enjoyed the idea of a big man I like I like big guys what can I say I'm subconscious in that fact I, I, I grade people by the height by their girth um, not necessarily how they control a room not necessarily how they control people but their size and their girth to me subconsciously says oh he's a big safe person be next to him mm-hmm. look up to him I like that I like a big nice daddy with a, you know yeah, big exactly. kid and stuff like that I, I want to rub his belly I want to rub his belly I want to rub his belly do I want to have sex? no I want to rub your belly more I want to rub your belly more I want to rub <laughs> against it and so I've always liked big people big people I've always respected them unknowingly um, which is why, again, I've always gone with older guys. It started when I was 16, because, you know, when you're going out with someone, yeah. everyone is older than you in the gay scene. Anyone younger than me, I can touch, you know, for oh, yeah. stupid legal reasons and for, because um, I'm, well, they're just immature, I don't like them. And now that I've grown up and I'm 26, I'm thinking, there are so many guys that are younger than me that I can still go out with. They're not immature, but I still don't like them. It's the yeah. age thing. I'm the guy that's older than me. Mm-hmm because they're much more mature, they know a lot more than I do, in many cases, um, and so I'm drawn to them. With the big belly thing, it's, it's, I can't explain why I like it, I love it, I absolutely fucking love it. Um, I don't know why I like the big belly. Well, again, as you say, it's a signal for comfort. It's socially coded as comfortable, soft. And... They don't have to be able to eat that much. And there's, um... I read through an essay on like um, the emergence of bear culture and gay culture. One yeah, of the things, wasn't it? Hmm, one of the things was um, bears are unique in that physically they don't just represent masculine traits; they also represent a lot of um, nurturing maternal traits. Just yes. in their body shape, they look very um, like a fertility idol, which which is a very unique viewpoint. And I had to say, I was going to say wombie bear. I was going to say wombie. Um, yeah, you're right. They do um, portray a lot of um, comforting signals. Um, when you look at a skinny guy, I, I say skinny, I mean bony, skinny kind mm-hmm. of guy, somebody who can't seem to put on weight, like myself, for instance, um, you think, well, I, I personally think, ouch, what would it be like cuddling next to that in bed? I'm yeah. scared I might jab an eye out on your cheekbone, for instance, but when I see a big berry guy, it's um hairy berry guy particularly, it's like teddy bear. I want to cuddle yeah. up to you. I want to cuddle up to you. You look soft and cuddly. I want to approach you. I mean, it's... For me, the point where my liking of bears really crystallised... Because, you know, it's always been there, but it sort of came to the forefront was... I was at a gay youth came group... Came home. Yeah. I was at a gay youth group, and the guys, all the twinky young 16-year-olds, were competitively comparing how many ribs they showed. And they desired to show more ribs, and I'm like, that's it. I'm out. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, there's... Oh, no, definitely. I have to go back to um, when I was young, waiting for my parents to pick me up from school. I see my friends getting picked up by big, hairy, berry, builders like dads. And um, 
I say parents. Um, I was raised up until eight, nine by my mother and my sister um, because I didn't have a father at that age. And so I think that's where it sort of stems from again. But to see this big, comforting man picking up their child and taking them home, it's like, I want that. I want that. I didn't necessarily want it sexually. I wanted it as a comfort to myself. Yeah. I only had a mother, and she was always working all the time. And so I didn't have both parents. I had a mother and I had a sister. So I grew up, um, shall we say, bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> Once a month, I would go mad as well. <laughs> but I didn't necessarily have a father. When I grew up, um, when my stepfather came in, it was very much, he was much more of a passive, a submissive male to the family. Yeah. And over the years, he grew to be just henpecked. I say that as a, um, an insult, but he's, he's more the person to take charge in the background, financially. Yeah. He, he would control the household by other means, other than emotions or such. And I've, I've grown to respect him greatly, but he wasn't what I would want subconsciously as a father figure. Yeah. He was very much, um, as I say, very passive, very passive male. But he was still a great comfort to me in times. Um, still a monolith of um, restraint. But yeah, it definitely does stem from father figures with me, um, which is kind of worrying. Um, as we both know, I had a, a partner recently, John, who um, I never realised it, but one of my birthday parties, he came round, and uh, my granddad was sitting in the corner. He saw John come in, and he goes, oh, Peter, you're here. And then my uncle comes in going, yeah, I've been here for a while. And it was only then, when my granddad was looking at both of them, going, uh, which one's which, which one's which, that I realised that I had gone out with a person who looked exactly like my uncle. Uh, so, <laughs> worrying. That's, uh, yeah, worrying. Oh. Freud would have a field day. Oh, yes, Freud. Everything is about sex except sex, which is about power. That's the basic Freud thing, and there's... And sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, except when it's not. Exactly. Yeah. I prefer Jung. Hmm. They were partners at one point until they had a massive fight about the subconscious, which is such a disappointment. I mean, they were both pioneers in psychology, for goodness sake. Hmm. Yeah. Freud yeah. is good up to a point. Freud is good up to a point. I think they both have good elements and bad elements. It's sort of... I mean, psychology is very soft. Yeah, pioneers, of course, yeah. you know. Of course, they're going to get some things right and some things wrong, of course. Mm. But um, nowadays, 2000, 2015, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, I have to keep remembering that. Like, I have to keep remembering my own age. Yeah, um, this is the year we're meant to have ho hoverboards, according to um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yes. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> and microwave wall pizzas, which grow over five seconds. Although Nike has put researchers onto making those self-lacing up shoes. They're trying to make them reality. They have, haven't they? Yes. That's a great thing to look forward to. Self-lacing shoes. I think they did that in homage to Back to the Future. Yes. But yes. we still don't have hoverboards yet. I want we, a hoverboard. Well, we do, but they only work on um, uh, copper flooring. Sub-zero temperature. Oh, I heard it was um, sub-zero temperature. No, someone made... Or am I thinking about... Could be, no, but someone did make one where they're basically two big electromagnets on the board, so they um, press against the copper flooring. Which... You know... Say, a hundred years ago, all of the roads were cobble, or made of some lesser form of rock. And just about 50 years ago, they were changed into tarmac. Mm -hmm. So, it's surprising in a lifetime what can change. Yeah, although it probably won't be a metal, because I was looking into this. Because um, you know they had, for a while, this big idea going on the interwebs of um, solar panel highways. 
Yes, 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 which was a big disappointment to me. I love the idea, and it had so much potential, but sadly, there was so much wrong with it. Yeah, because the big thing is, you can't make rose out of glass. Because even though glass can be hardened, it's still a brittle hardness. It has to have a degree of flexibility, which is why we use tarmac. Precisely. Yeah. Because it's not, it's, not um, it's not just... We're veering off the subject very quickly. Oh, um, but it's not just how... Assumption. Um, it's not just how flat highway is. It's the earth underneath it, mm-hmm. which is going to potentially give way. It could bow in some areas. It could have clay, mud, clay, mud, clay, mud, earth, which would bow very quickly. And so you get this massive dip. And so that's what would be causing the cracks in the glass. Yeah, I mean, not to mention you have heavy loads like um, lorries, mm-hmm. which um, the road will need to bend very slightly to accommodate their extra mass which glass or metal cannot do, because it's a um, brittle hardness rather than the flexible hardness. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, because, you, know, you know, science is amazingly interesting. Uh, you know, it's amazing. But, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, one thing about feeding is I'm more into the feeding scene, not the long-term changes, because I've seen people get into the thing of making someone completely immobile, which is outside my... A massive turn on for me, making a person mobile. Um, I've gone on to gainer stories quite a few times, and I've clearly tugged out more than I've got fingers. Purely on the on one particular story, I'm not going to say it just yet, but it is making a person immobile and forcing that person to enjoy and involve themselves purely by the fact that they've been fed and being force fed regularly, daily using um, hypnosis and mm-hmm. recordings into a, um, earphones, such as the kind you're wearing now. Eat more, eat more, eat more, eat more. Um, oh, I don't need hypnosis for that. I'd like it, because, again, as you know, hypnosis is one of my big things. I do yeah, know that. Again, That's changing a, a purse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but we'll get into that on another episode. Another episode, if I become a regular. Well. <laughs> How long is this going to be, by the way? This, um, this... Or will you as... become... As long as it naturally takes. Do you have a timetable, or...? I do not have a timetable today. It's Tuesday. I've got time off until 5.30, but you're lucky. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I like the idea of having a person in a sling, 24-7, with a funnel in their mouth, eating everything I give them. Mm. Until the soles of their feet stop arching and become bulging. To the moment that... Uh, to the moment that they don't have a will anymore to the moment that I could do whatever the fuck I want to them. It's very much master slave, but remove one step. You don't have a will. I have a will. I will do this to you. You will have it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And this is purely fantasy. I will never probably, in my life, actually be able to do this. No. Yeah. I've got too much empathy for the person doing it. Um, receiving it. Oh, yeah. Be able um, to do it. I've had interesting debates, because, you know, Right now, Fifty Shades of Grey is coming out. We're going to move on from that subject. Moving okay, on. It's on. an interesting thing, because everyone, because I've actually heard one of my kinky friends defend it, saying, you know, yes, it is a non-consensual relationship. Yes, it is... Um, I've read it. Abuse. Yeah, it is probably abusive. But it came from a person writing about their personal fantasies, and I think I've read a lot of fiction, which I like to call... Um... Dinosaur porn. Sorry? Thanks for... Dinosaur porn. Thanks for the link very much. Oh yes, that guy on Amazon. Yes, that, that that he does dinosaur and centaur porn and unicorn porn. No, um, he's got the horn, literally. <laughs> God damn it! What's this phrase? Um, when you start to, it's not Copenhagen syndrome. 
Um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. I basic, my favourite genre is Stockholm Syndrome romance, where someone gets violently kidnapped, and, you know, it's terrifying, but then they realise that their kidnapper is kind of hunky and very sexy and oh so dreamy, so it's okay when they rape them because they want it really. The greater personality wins over and they become part of that personality. Yes, I have yeah. uh, but it's read fantasy. this. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It is fantasy. It'll never be reality because in reality that would be horrible. And this is the argument for Fifty Shades of Grey is, yes, it's horribly abusive, but this is someone's personal sexual fantasy, which just happened to get published. It shouldn't be broad marketed to them. Because don't forget, there's also going to be influential people. Not influential. Easily influenced people. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. always with cinema, um, with people. You're going to get people that are easily influenced. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I was going to say, it, it also happens in a larger context of how women are treated in society and the media's message about how women are treated. So it's not just it a standalone fantasy. It also talks about the, um, what's the term? Um, how likely men are to, be, have, mm-hmm. to have mental illnesses. Uh, because men are more likely to have mental illnesses than women are. Um, being a man with bipolar and other problems... I am subject to this, uh, which is living on a knife edge when you're into the pink scene, such as I am, the whole master-slave situation. It doesn't help, but you have to remember, you have to self-maintain a lot of the mm-hmm. time. In a master-slave situation, you get easily influenced very quickly. When you lose a little bit of empathy, when you've got someone on their knees in front of you, you get the idea that you want to do a lot more to them than they actually want, mm-hmm. and they have to have to with it. That's not a good thing. Or, for instance, if you're a sub being um, dominated by a master, it's not good sometimes. The idea that... There was a paper a little while ago that said, why not introduce voluntary slavery? It was a short-lived paper, and then put to rest very quickly by other people coming in their mm-hmm. opinions. Like the idea of... Stop picking your notes. They can't see it's an old podcast. Plus, remember, I have um, final editing powers over this thing, so... Ah, damn you! And your cutter power. <laughs> anyway, um, there's the idea that mental health comes into it when a person goes into... Um, uh, uh, I've lost the word now. Subspace? Well, well, it's not just subspace, it's just when a person goes into long-term sub... Um, mm, yeah. No, no, it's um, when you... It's, it's basically like payless work, what's the word? <laughs> They do it purely because they want to. Ah, I've lost voluntary? The voluntary? Voluntary slavery. There we go. Voluntary slavery. Thank you. Um, voluntary slavery. You know, um, working at the job I work at now, I can easily say that voluntary slavery is not really that good. Uh, my <laughs> boss is going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> um, voluntary slavery became a good idea, but the idea of mental health, sadly, mm, mm. There's, there's so much screening you'd need to involve. Oh, yeah. I like the idea. I like the idea of um, people wanting to be slaves because they want to be, you know, slaves. I like the idea that some people would enjoy this idea because some people want to be controllers. Sadly, there's so many people out there in the world with mental health issues that I don't think you'd be able to get away with that. Um, I myself, who was a self-maintaining, you know, bipolar, problematic, I would say the word, um, know that some people would be abused beyond human rights beyond human rights and it's problematic yeah you have to keep things real keep it real yeah so Anne Rice wrote something about pony men at some point didn't she yeah actually quite early she wrote under the name J.K. Recule 
I think. I'm not. It, it was French, so I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. And it was the Sleeping Beauty trilogy, which was um, Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, Slavery of Sleeping Beauty, and Freeing of Sleeping Beauty. And it's basically a faraway kingdom after princesses are, princesses are claimed. They're sent to a faraway kingdom to be trained to be perfect submissives. I like this idea. Yes, I now. really do like the idea. And the entire kingdom, like all the carriages, are pulled about by pony boys who have orgies in their stables every night. And... <sighs> Tell yeah. me more. Well, they've be recently been republished under her actual name, so please feel free to look around. And Rice, dirty, dirty, dirty bitch, I love you. Well, she was my first introduction to a lot of kink things. I think it was the Vampire Armand, where it had oh, some pretty good. heavy S&M scenes. That was good. I did like that one. Well, the whole um, the whole vampiric scene is incredibly sick in itself. It's the exchange of bodily fluids. It's the um, it's the abrupt intrusion of the body. Mm -hmm. It's it's the domination from one stronger species to another. Oh God, just give me three. I was thinking about it. <laughs> but yes, we should stay on topic. Oh yes, yes, yes. Of so, course, yeah. of course. Not thinking so, yeah. about it. that sort of stuff. <clears throat> yes, that'll be for another podcast. But yes, um, one of my fantasies is I've got quite a few gym bunny friends, and I'm oh, kind oh. of a because I, I want to be a muscle cub, so I'm not as bad as them in the fact that they go through the whole bulking and cutting cycle. Bulking cycle, they look gorgeous. Cutting cycle, you know, their whole goal is to get down to, like... Skin-tight abs. Yes. And here's what I want to do. When they finally reach that, and finally, after all their hard work, because it is fucking hard work of restraint and exercise... You want to force-feed them and make them gain weight to make them lose everything they've gained. Yes. I just want to, right at the height, strap them down, and chuck down double cream chocolate milkshakes, mm. whipped cream, uh, and you know Carry butter on. icing, <laughs> just for a night. That's, good. that's just good. so that's good. they lose all their abs and just like ha. I, now it's huge... absolutely pointless. Because oh. mm -hmm. there's this huge element of humiliation, taking away control of their appearance, self degradation. Uh, self degradation. Once they started thinking about, oh, I did all this, I did all this, and now it's absolutely hopeless. What have I done? What have I done? Oh God, mm. I can't help it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, that's kind of what I want to do with you. Um, I know you're going to the gym regularly, mm -hmm. and I know you're doing everything you can. And stop showing me your belly. Make it jiggle, make it jiggle, make it jiggle. No, 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 no! Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop. Oh. Okay, on the show, yes. <laughs> on the show, stop you, tease. But that's kind of what I want to do with you. I want to, you know, as a little role play played out. Mm -hmm. I want to have you in between my legs. On a sofa, I want to. I want, I want to hold your head back. I want to yeah. hear that noise of the whipped cream can as it's going in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I'll rub your belly, and I want to tell you it's okay. It's okay. Just eat it. Just eat it. That's all you have to do is just eat. I want to do it with whipped cream. I want to do it with really thick hot chocolate. Interesting. We'll have to talk more of this off air. But yeah, someone else um, I know who's also into feeding. His thing, because you just you triggered it a while ago when you said about make, stopping someone so much they can't move. His thing is literally feeding them up till they pretty much can't move because they're so full, and just using them yep. as a pillow and just having them oh. immobile. So nice. Um, being a person who likes the big bear types, I often like lying on top of a person and resting my head in their chest hair. and that is absolutely gorgeous because they've got a nice big belly you can rest yours on. It's like Oh, that's nice, isn't it? It's really nice. And then you feel their hair on your back, and it's like, oh, that's nice. It's the perfect spooning position. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little bit done now. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Yeah, so we've covered a few fantasies. We've covered um, sort of the barrier between fantasy and reality. We've, which are yes. I must say, we at the spa we have the occasional. Um, they're a regular couple. They're a, a couple of them. Um, Jim Bunnies, the uh, the Marys, as we call them. Mm-hmm. Me and my boss, Dan, we call them the Marys. Um, they come in, they look pristine, and whenever they're sitting down in a sauna, whenever they're sitting down in the steam room or in the dark room, mm-hmm. it's absolutely have to look flawless. They pose every single step they take, and they would be the perfect person. They would mm-hmm. be the perfect person for this kind of fancy, taking them down, tying their hands back with, you know, not a lot of rope, but, you know, there's rope there. Mm-hmm. And then you put a funnel feeder in their mouth and you hold their nose closed. Mm. This is just kind of real life, you know, um, feeding my fantasies. Mm-hmm. This is where it comes from. This is the want of something abnormal with something normal, which I suppose is the definition of fetish. I've been reading the psychology of interpersonal behavior and it's a little bit outdated, but still, there's so many things that a person can find fetishizing. For instance, across me on the table right now is a bottle of Johnson's and Johnson's baby oil. Um, I'm a very tactile person, so I like. I'm a very secular person, you know. Um, but when my boyfriend comes in and takes his shirt off, his work shirt off, and he says he's got pain in his back, I immediately want to go up and touch him. Mm-hmm. It's surprising what the feel of human skin can do underneath your hand. It's the I would not say intrusion with him, but it's the contact with another human being. And if that human being has got a little bit of belly on them, so all the better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's something to just be said about physical physical contact. Some of the most erotic things I've had isn't this big elaborate scene, just, you know, just nice intimate touches. It's the trust which I find most Mm. arousing. I'm not a very trusting person at the best of times, but the trust that I can have my boyfriend with me, have him, you know, just rubbing my forehead. A little while ago, he um he said, are you unwell? Or he, he said something like, and he said, um, how are you? And he just put his hand on my forehead. Mm-hmm. Me not being the very tactile person that I am, well, me being the tactile, but not the very interpersonal person that I am, that, that, that just gave me an erection. <laughs> and I'm pleased with this. A couple of years ago, you wouldn't be able to touch me, mm-hmm. if you know, even if I was going out with you. Very few people get to have that comfort of me hugging them. Um, I don't necessarily find the need to be outgoing. Mm-hmm. I'm introvert, if anything. Um, so all of my work goes on. Yeah, up- upstairs. Yeah. And so I'm so incredibly lucky to have someone. Or have a group, a small group of people, my friends, my family, mm-hmm. people who I can actually not just shake their hand but give a hug. Mm-hmm. I think tactile contact is incredibly important, even with an introverted person like I am. A person passes me on the street, they give me an insult, I'd get angry, that's fine. Yeah. A homeless person on the street, say, spare five pence, I give them five pence, that's fine. It's the contact of even just shaking a hand, which I find most important. Skin is incredibly important, I think. Mm-hmm. I feel. Skin-skin contact is incredibly important. It's not just your hand holding something like a glass or a spoon or a pen. Yeah. It's human contact. Yeah, it's... 
humans i mean i think in today's society we really forget how much i mean the ancestors and primates that we grew out of mm-hmm. physical contact was a communication tool yes and i think we forget how important as a communication tool just as a um social bonding thing um being tactile is i mean i'm very tactile with my friends i've always been a very tactile person and it's sort of i've always been very huggy very thin to people i care about Mm -hmm. and it's i want to be close with people i care about physically i have the need to be close with people there's a subconscious need a need for um appreciation (laughs) a need for contact socially Mm um yeah we 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 seem to have lost well we i would say that we seem to have lost touch with that but i'm only taking that from my opinion um, I don't see people hugging as much as they should. Hmm. I would like to see that much more as a social norm. You know, um, yeah. excuse me, do you know the way to the train station? Oh, it's just up there on the right. Thank you very much. Hug. It's it's not as intimate as locking lips, or um, it's it's much more closer than just shaking hands. But I think what we need is much more hugging. You know, just hmm. it's just a hug with a pat on the back, and that's it. You know, what's what's that? Um, there's a phase of oh, what is it? Males basically just doing that like shoulder bump thing. It's yeah. it's, it's an offset from the, the whole hug. It's just like a shoulder bump, or it was eventually, um, it was originally just like fist bump or the high five or the something rather. It's it's derived from a whole hug. It's just the shoulder bump, or it's just like the boom. I mean, this is kind of difficult to explain because I'm doing all these physical things on camera, but yeah. we're going to be doing this audio. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I would like to make this a much more thing. I mean, with people like myself, it's going to be much more difficult because I'm much more private and much, um, much more introverted. Um, but yes, I think we should try to make this a norm. You know, yeah. spread... I mean, we're probably not going to be the first people to try this, but you know. I mean, there's been that news story going around recently of um, the woman in America who set up a hugging business, where people literally paid to go and hug for an hour with her. But this idea is taken from Japan, where hugging parlors are big business. Really. Yeah, well, I mean, Japan's got this very interesting uh, social problem. Japan's whole um, business of fetishes and niche markets going on, but they it haven't goes, found them yet. I mean, it goes beyond just niche fetishes. It's Japan has a huge societal problem in that... Um, it's an age society. The, rate, the number of people in relationships has massively dropped. Massively. Like, to worrying levels where... The Are they going to die out? <laughs> yeah, the population is going to become hugely imbalanced with old people. Because mm-hmm. there's not going to be a generation to take after them. Yep. And a big part of this is the society is so workaholic and you're expected to go out with drinks after, then to work, then to home, then straight back to work. There's not the inf- like the sort of societal infrastructure to maintain relationships. Yeah. So There's I mean, so much to take up your needs. That's the problem. You get um, Nintendo girlfriend games. Yeah, yeah, they are a main thing. And uh, you also have... Um, uh, uh, they're not called sex clinics, but they're... Oh, what is it? There's you told me about this. There's, um, for instance, a, uh, a train station. I'm using inverted commas here. A train yeah, station. A train up. carriage where they can feel like people in a train carriage. Yes. No, there's this thing of hugging parlors where you basically pay to hug with someone and have intimate conversations with them about your hopes, fears, and dreams. Stuff you'd normally get in a relationship, but instead you pay a stranger for their time to do that with them to simulate. It's emotional prostitution. Yes, and I just find it fascinating that. It's a society that's got to that phase where they have to artificially... Um, that's the main thing. Yeah. They're in their own reality. They're having every single kind of... They can have the opportunity for every single kind of mm. emotional need. Fake, but they can still pay for it. And there's that mental gap between you know it's fake, 
and you know that what you want is a fantasy and you know money just brings it together and which yeah. is the same thing about it because I think that modern, um, moderating it would really be a good idea in the West here um, I mean there's a bit of a plaza right now because England's still trying to legalise marijuana or mm. is thinking about legalising marijuana but we would never have anything like this over here I mean what do we have we have gay saunas where you can sort of go in for a, inverted commas, a steam, uh, a sweat, and a chat with mm. others of your kind. And behind it, there's a dark room where people make friends. People make friends there. Um, and it's interesting because my boss says, oh, well, um, things in the uh, vending machine are like lube, condoms. We just want to make sure that people are having, say, fun. It's sort of like the barbers. You say, something yeah. for the weekend, sir? Oh, yes, of course. I would like uh, something for the weekend. Oh, yes. How many? Four. Four. Four things for the weekend. And they get condoms. Mm-hmm. It's just evolved into going to the sauna, going um, on the vending machine, uh, number C4, and you get lube and condoms and stuff like that. My, my, my boss just says, oh, it's because we want people to be safe. You know, it's yeah. like barbers. It's like the barbers. And it's just, it's behind the scenes. That's mm-hmm. all it is. But that's probably, as far as I've discovered, as deep as it gets. We don't have hugging parlours. There was a little thing on the news a while ago. Um, um, someone tried to start up the, um, the hugging business. I'm oh, sorry, I'm yeah. out. And of course, he ripped it to shit. People paying to hug each other. And I thought, that's great, that's great. But I thought, what if you get a male and a female, and he's hugging her from behind, and he gets an erection? That's where it sort of draws the line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just having a nice... Emotionless cuddle, well, I say emotionless, um, lustless cuddle to having feelings for a person. Mm-hmm. There's mean, so much we have to go through before we even get to that stage where Japan is, but it's a nice idea to start off with. I mean, I have several friends that um, are rent boys. Mm-hmm. And the vast bulk of their clients, or, well, they used to be rent boys, some are, some have left it because you can't do that stuff forever. The, the vast bulk of their clients, they're not horribly unattractive, often they're just shy and very lonely and need the company. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's um and someone my friend who just recently got into, in, into it he was like so i've written out my profile and he was like yeah big hot sexy and i'm like no just make yourself seem welcoming and friendly in your profile that's exactly. what really gets people because that's what they're looking for they're looking for someone approachable <laughs> yes yeah because they have trouble with it in real life but anyway so we're going on an hour here so i think we should wrap this conversation up and we'll have many more later very well. Thank you very much, Craig, for having me. I enjoy it much more in the future. Oh, yes, it's been great having you. It's all been very interesting, and um, I think this has been a very fruitful, fruitful interview. We've deviated quite a few times, but uh, I think the whole idea has stood up well. Oh, yes, I may have to edit this a bit. So. This will be heavily edited. edited. So oh. say the Mr. Ons. <laughs> okay, so from me, goodbye. And that's from me, goodbye as well. Thank <laughs> you.